I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. NBA Finals for Knicks fans. No, really, it is. It's exactly what this is for us. We don't... Listen, man. We we deserve every bit of this. Knicks fans have been suffering for decades. Right? We had that one, you know, fluke of a season in 2013. Carmelo Anthony. The best season of his career. J.R. Smith. The best season of his career, Tyson Chandler. The best season of his career. We had that really, really good 2013. Before that, after that, it went back to junk. And so, you know what? I don't want to hear anything Oh, you know, along the lines of, calm down, Knicks fans. It's too early. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear that. We are 5-3. and three. To Knicks fans, that is an NBA Finals series. We're 5. That's This is our Finals. We, we don't get this. The last time we were over 500 in a season was, what, 2017? We were 1-0. I mean, come on. This is fun. This is really, really fun. And if there's any fan base in basketball that deserves fun, be the New York Knicks in their fan base. I'm having a great time. So much to where I'm not even focusing on thinking ahead, which I always so often do. I'm not even thinking about the trade deadline anymore. I'm buying in. I want to contend. I don't even care. Oh, man. I said it. Shit. They're playing well. They're playing really well. So. <laughs> what is happening, everybody? I am your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to BD4. Or maybe you're watching the podcast on YouTube. But if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, and many more, thank you as well. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Always appreciate it. Always do. But um, I hope everybody's night has been going well. Mine has been fantastic. The last, uh, you know, two weeks for me. Two weeks of fantastic Life. <laughs> the Knicks are playing well and I'm in a good mood. Alright, just like the Yankees depict my mood, the Knicks depict my mood in the uh, in the winter. So, usually that means I'm in a bad mood in the winter. But no, this has been a good couple of weeks so far. Um, wow. Um, let's see, what's today? Today, as we are recording, as I am recording, it is, I don't even know what day it is anymore, man. 
Let's see. Today, today's Wednesday. It's Wednesday night. Uh, January something. You know, Wednesday night. Game 8 of the season. Okay? That's that's all I know. I gotta check. Let me check. Yeah. Wednesday, January 6th. Okay? Technically, it's officially past midnight. So, you know, it's the 7th as I speak. But Wednesday, January 6th, as we are recording. Hopefully, you're listening to this by... Um, Thursday, January 7th. And um, again, I appreciate everybody who stops by. All one and a half, two of you. <laughs> you know, I get a couple people. You know, maybe one person listens. The other guy listens halfway. I don't know. Nobody nobody tunes into this. But you know what? I do it because I like it. I enjoy it. I have fun. Um, and it's good practice for what I want to do, you know, in terms of my career path. So, <laughs> thank you one or two people who have tuned into this uh, probably family members so it's pretty sad but um no i this this team is playing good right now they're playing efficient basketball they're playing a smart brand of basketball so we're going to get into all of that in uh just a few seconds so let's head to break one time and once we get back from break we will dive into game seven which was the other night against the atlanta hawks and then we'll talk about game eight of the season against the utah jazz who always obliterate us not this year be right back hey fellows so really briefly before we get back into things here i just want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast to bd4 then you can go do that right now on my website you can go to ny sports talk rc dot wordpress dot com forward slash connect once again, in order to subscribe to this podcast, BD4, and if you want, follow me on social media and subscribe to the blog that I write, just go to my website. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Guys, thank you so much, and let's get right back into it. I mean, it was such a fun you know, game three and four. Like, I had fun there. You know, I was like, you know, when the Knicks finally picked up a couple of wins. But we're eight games in, and we're starting to, you know, get some kind of consistency. Again, early. Yeah, we know that, okay? You don't have to, you know, ruin the party here. But as every game goes by, and, and you know, as every win we pick up, or, or not even win, every game we compete in and, you know, stay competitive... I am more optimistic to a degree, right? You have to be cautious, but I am more optimistic. And so we get to the other night. The Knicks enter it uh, 500 on the dot, three and three. They take a uh, they they take on the Atlanta Hawks, who were favored on the money line and have the spread. You know, everybody thought Atlanta was going to win that game. Trey Young, John Collins, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the Knicks go out and they they do their job. They upset them in the second half and they finish up 113 to 108, picking up the victory, going over 500, 4 and 3. Knicks shoot 56% from inside the arc. They go 33% from outside the arc, 7 out of 21. They shoot 80% at the foul line. And that was like 20 out of 25. 
Um, but it was the defense that really won that game. And it's been the defense winning them games, despite the, the major flaws in the defense. Um, it's been the defense winning them games so far this season. You know, they've been getting stops, and that's the Tom Thibodeau effect. Um, but game seven, 113 108 victory, we call the Emmanuel Quickly game. <laughs> and so we'll get to him. But first quarter, we'll start at the top. RJ Barrett. Throws up a seven-footer. First basket of the game of the game for the Knicks. <coughs> Excuse me. Then you get Cam Reddish. Okay, throwing up a, a lob to uh, Clint Capella. Uh, first game, first basket of the game for the Hawks. Former teammate of RJ Barrett. And, you know, you get some back and forth action. You know, the offense has got to trade baskets, and eventually the Knicks finish the first period up 30, uh, 31-29. Second period comes, it's more of the same, um, until the Knicks kind of stop defending. You get these easy, open lanes for Atlanta. They're just thriving on the inside. Uh, Alfred Payton starts to miss shots. He, he misses three in a row to end the half, uh, in which the Hawks go on a 9-2 run. To cap off the half. Most of those buckets uh, on the inside. I think three of their last four field goals of the half. Came in the paint. And they capped it off with a three pointer. Just to rub it in the Knicks face. John Collins goes deep. And uh, it's 58-54 Atlanta at halftime. Still in the game though right. Third quarter. It starts out pretty rough. Alfred Payton. Foul. Alfred Payton. Turnover. He proceeds to miss five shots in a row during the period. And it's just ugly. The tunnel vision's there. He's reckless. And, you know, he, he's taken way too many shots for who he is. Nick's eventually down 15 at one point. Peyton just missing left and right. He gets yanked. You know, as we've seen a couple times already. And we saw that in the preseason. But uh, he gets yanked. Emmanuel quickly comes in. This is towards the end of the period. And right away the game changes. The whole dynamic. I mean, if you want to talk about plus minus, this is the most legit plus minus you're going to see. You know, as soon as he's he's yanked, uh, quickly comes in and he completely changes the dynamic of this ball game. <laughs> he was productive and Peyton was counterproductive. It's as simple as that. Um, quickly just goes off. He finishes with 16 points, four at a seven from deep, a plus 17 in 19 minutes. That's laughable. Peyton, on the other hand, 6 out of 18. Why is he taking that many shots? I don't know. And he's a minus 11 in 29 minutes. So the Knicks end up outscoring the Hawks 46-26 to 26 in the last 17 minutes of the game. Quickly playing each of those minutes. He just comes in. He orchestrates the offense. He shot the ball well. He hustled defensively. You know, he starts it off with that baseline dunk. Kind of out of that... Um, the little set the Knicks were running, the pistol set. Um, and then, you know, uh, I think it was a Kevin Knox driving kick a little later in the period. Hits an open quickly on the on the, on the three wing for a wing three. Um, and he drills it. <laughs> um, I go nuts there. You know, I'm like, okay, this is where we're going to start pulling it, pulling away here. Or, or making a little bit of a comeback. And, you know, so the driving kick happens and that brings the Knicks within 10. Um, Knox then himself hits a corner three-pointer to cap off the third. I go nuts again. Hits, hits it at the buzzer. So we enter the fourth quarter. IQ still in there. Hits a couple of 
baskets at the top of the fourth, both assisted by Julius. Uh, one's a floater to bring us within two. The other is a three-pointer to bring us within one. And, you know, later in the, in the in the fourth, you know, towards the end, he goes through, like, a, a span of, what, one minute where he draws, like, three... How he gets to the line five times within a span of a minute. Five free throw attempts. Um, you know, specifically, it, it was when he did the uh, the Trey Young on Trey Young. Right? A three-point... Uh, a three, tri- uh, three free throw trip to the line. Gets fouled on a triple. Hits all of them. Ends up going six for six. And he was just spectacular. And I thought his biggest play of the night wasn't even offensively. Emmanuel Quickly. No, against the Hawks, Emmanuel Quickly was great. Again, the 16 points, great. Four out of seven, great. But he was really good defensively. He did a really good job on Young. And it was specifically... Um, before he hit those free throws, before he hit that, hit that, um, before he made that, uh, before he made Trey Young foul him on a three, there was a really impressive play defensively where quickly, they called it a block shot, I think, in the box score, but he stole Young's cookies pretty much. He, he just swiped him on the drive-in. That, to me, kind of, like, sparked that, that, that big, that was when I knew the Knicks, you know, were probably going to win that game. A big play defensively. Um, you know, and that leads to a Mitchell Robinson alley-oop. And the Knicks eventually close the game on a 14-9 stretch. They edge out the Hawks. They pick up the victory. Down 15 at one point in the second half. And they find a way to win by, what, five? So, Trey Young got his, you know, got his own. He got 31-14. and 14. Don't get me wrong. You know, he is tough to guard. You know, if you don't help, he's going to go by you. If you hedge, he's going to go by you. You know, he's very quick, very crafty. But I thought IQ did a great job on him. Peyton was just got awful on him when he when he was out there. You know, he got the bulk of his points on Peyton. But when Trey Young came in, I think Trey Young... I'm sorry, when uh, Quickly came in, I thought Quickly, uh, Quickly did his own. He did pretty well. So, you know, if there's one thing that game showed, that comeback from down 15, that's, that's Tom Thibodeau's squad right there, right? It's showing you that Tom Thibodeau is not your typical buddy-buddy head coach. Not your fake tough guy that Fizdale was. Right? Now, he's somebody who's really going to push his team. That third quarter, man, down 15. Things were looking very grim. I was starting to think to myself, okay, it was a good road trip. You know, they were, they were due for a clunker. But no, they, they fought back and won. They not only fought back, they won. Under Fisdale, the Knicks quit. They throw in the towel in that third period. They're down by 35-30 by the end of the game. They, they, you know, Fizz is smiling. The Knicks are losing. And they throw out their garbage squad. You would be seeing, you know, Kadeem Allen out there. You would be seeing, you know, the garbage squad out there. This year, obviously, you'd be seeing Theo Pinson. If Fisdale was coaching, it's... But this year, no. They fought back under under uh, Tom Thibodeau. They fought back. They won. And there it is. And that, that was the game where Tom Thibodeau matched David Fizdale's win total from last year. In just seven games versus the 26 that Fizz coached. <laughs> uh, it was a great game. Um, so obviously, quickly was amazing. RJ and Randall actually led the, led the way, though. 
they were obviously fantastic. I mean, you can't ignore their performances. Randall, 28-17-9 on 11 of 19 shooting. He did have seven turnovers. Almost gave me a heart attack with, with a two at the end. Had the charge, and then he coughed one up later. Or the travel, I think it was. Um, you know, and then obviously the whole thing with Reggie Bullock pegging the friggin' backboard. So I almost died. <laughs> I almost went nuts and had a stroke there. But um, Randall, which is fantastic, just got buckets and, and did everything again this year. That's all he's been doing. Everything. RJ Barrett, efficient. 26, 11, and 5. 10 of 19. No turnovers. Two steals. Played really good on both ends. Thought he ran the break well. You know, that finish near the end of the first off the over for Peyton assist. That was nice. Um, he also had a nice finish through contact down the middle of the lane with about eight and a half left in the fourth. Randall assisted him on the bounce pass. So he had a couple of nice finishes, man. He was looking good inside the arc. Austin Rivers was huge. Speaking of him, oh, we're going to get to him in a second. Um, he was big against the Hawks. He checked in for Bullock late. Hits a big three again to put the Knicks up. Two possessions with a minute 25 left. I think they're up four. Mitchell Robinson's defense was outstanding late in that game. That one sequence when he was blocking, when he blocked Trey Young and proceeded to just contest the shit out of John Collins at the rim. All in that one possession was fantastic. So it was a really good all around 113 to 108 win that put your Knicks over 500 for the first time this year. Let's get to game two as soon as we get back from break. Hey, fellows. So, really briefly, before we get back into things here, I just want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, to BD4, then you can go do that right now on my website. You can go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to this podcast, BD4, and if you want, Follow me on social media and subscribe to the blog that I write. Just go to my website. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Guys, thank you so much and let's get right back into it. Game 8. Game 8. Road trip is over. Nick's back at home. At Madison Square Garden. And um, here we go, playing the Jazz. So I didn't expect them to even be close. The Jazz are usually a team who every year, you know, every time they play us each year, they just demolish us. We don't ever have a chance. We're never in these games. But this was kind of a game that indicated to me, maybe there's something here under Tom Thibodeau. Maybe the Knicks are going to be, you know, they might not be a playoff team. You know, like like all Knicks fans are saying right now. But they might be at least watchable and competitive and, and take a step in the right direction. This was a game that told me that, you know. They played the Utah Jazz. You know, they listen, they beat the Bucks. They beat they are five and three with a really tough schedule. And tonight, another tough opponent, and they go and beat the Jazz. 
Not only do they defeat them, they beat them 112 to 100. All right. 57% from inside the arc tonight. 36% outside the arc, just 8 for 22. Again, not a good shooting team. Are missing some guys, but uh, 74% at the line, 14 to 19. But again, it was the defense that won them this game. The defense. Um, and of course, the Austin Rivers game in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable, which we're going to touch on in a second. Uh, the first half, you know, easy buckets in the paint. Outside the arc, the Jazz pretty much killing the Knicks with modern basketball at its best. Right? No mid-range shots were made from them. Just either dunks, layups, you know, cleanups on the inside, or shooting threes. Um, and their offense is very weird to watch. It's like Donovan Mitchell is the only creator. Everybody else just spots up and... Obviously, you've got a rim runner in Gobert. It's a really weird offense to watch. But the second half comes, and despite the Knicks not really playing well, right, in the first half, they can't find their flow offensively. Gobert's protecting the rim. Um, you know, Mitchell's not really thriving yet, but offensively, the Knicks aren't. You know, the Jazz are kind of mixing up with the zone and the man, kind of confusing the Knicks offense. So the Knicks go into the half down 56-44, shooting below 50%, and uh, they kind of need a spark. Second half comes, Jazz still up by 10. You know, there's like five minutes left in the period. Jazz still have a nice, decent lead. Looks like they're going to pull away again. But then the Knicks get going. And it's not Emmanuel quickly. It's, you know, right here at this point, it's this, the Knicks defense forcing bad looks for Utah. They're taking back shot, bad shots, and the Knicks just kind of spark it with little team play. Everybody kind of gets going. A 6-0 run. Bullock gets his own rebound, lays it in. R.J. Barrett finally connects on a driving layup. Mitchell Robinson blocks a shot. Randall hits a layup on the fast break. The Knicks go on a 20-7 run to end the uh, third period. And that's where we kind of get to um, to Austin Rivers. Okay, so after a bounce back, you know, third period where... Julius Randle gets hot and scores 14 points, and everybody really chips in. It looks better. It's Austin Rivers who just does all the work in the fourth, pretty much. It's it's it was mind blowing to watch. It was insane. It was really fun basketball. It was some uh, Tracy McGrady shit. How quickly and efficiently he was scoring. Uh, four minutes and 16 seconds left. I have it here written down in the sequence. He hits a three-pointer with 4.16 left. This puts the Knicks up three. So breaks the tie, puts the Knicks up by three. Then he hits a floater with 3.43 remaining. That puts the Knicks up five. Then Rivers hits a 30-footer, another three-pointer, puts them up six with 3.05 to go. Then he hits another three, another three, to put the Knicks up nine with 2.23 to go. And then, you know, for the goodnight kiss... He gets a step back just inside the arc at the 48-second mark, and this puts the Knicks up 10. Randall hits a pair of free throws later on, and you get your victory. <laughs> he was on fire. He ends up with 23 points in 32 minutes. He shoots 9 for 14, 5 out of 7 from the arc. I mean, he's just hilarious. I was just watching, and I was just laughing. I was laughing at it. I didn't know how to react. He's playing like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. He is. He's coming in, being so clutch. He's been clutching every game so far. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
But um, he's been so clutch. Just hitting big shot after big shot. Spacing the floor. Creating for himself. It's just so huge. It's so nice to have somebody who can do that now in the backcourt. Right? Somebody who can shot create. Um, and he was doing it. He was just doing it. Clutch. Just energy. Positivity. He loves... He wants to be here. You know, he, he's made it known he wants to be here. He thinks the Knicks have a chance to turn it around. A lot of positivity when Austin Rivers takes the floor. He gives Knicks fans confidence. He plays with confidence. You know, takes tough shots, makes tough shots. Never really knew too much about Austin Rivers. You know, obviously, aside from the fact that he's Doc's son. But he wants to be here. You know, obviously, he's got his father's legacy, you know, in New York. You know, maybe he's just thriving on that. He looks like he's ready to, to be a New York Knick. And he wants this team to be good. I like him. He's becoming a fan favorite. If not already. He was spectacular. He was so great. So, I also thought Mitchell Robinson was really, really good defensively. Um, and it was another game where the stats aren't really crazy, you know. Only had nine points. Uh, he did have 13 rebounds and three blocks. And he played 41 minutes. But it, it was more than that. You know, he was so amazing. Just watching him. The defense is so much greater with the added discipline this year. You know, he was a good defender. He's always been a really excellent defensive player. But the foul woes, you know, the lack of discipline and sometimes those low IQ moments held him back. But this year, his discipline is so much better. Late in the game especially. We get another really good sequence tonight. Right, we talked about the Young and Collins possession he had late a couple nights ago. Tonight, we got another good one. It's like a minute and a half left. Another outstanding sequence. There's a possession where it's Mike Conley who misses the three-point shot on a wing three. Um, Mitch misses the rebound, but he recovers enough, quickly enough to block Donovan Mitchell's layup. Then he sprints out to contest, uh, I think it's Joe Engels, on the other wing for a three. I mean, he ends up missing the shot. I mean, his hustle down there is just tremendous. You know, I think there's that hustle badge on 2K. That shit's on Hall of Fame for Mitch. It is. He He's so... Oh, man, he's going to be so good. As long as he can continue to improve, he's going to be really, really good defensively. He's definitely going to win a couple of awards. Defensive Player of the Awards. Of the Year Awards. If he can continue to improve. And he's shown improvement. The offense has to come. I get it. But I love the defense. It, it's so evident. His improvement this year. It really is. It's been remarkable. Just between the hustle, the execution, and just the positive impact he's had. Um, you know, sometimes, of course, he'll still kind of sell out on the roll. You know, he'll have his issues with, with the screen timing. You know, another moving screen tonight. Um, you know, but for the most part, he's staying really disciplined. He's not chasing for blocks every possession. And that might lower his block you know, numbers a bit this year. They're not as high as they usually are, and they, they've kind of declined each year. But, you know, I think that's become because he's kind of learning that he doesn't have to block every shot. And, and Clyde always talks about that. You know, he doesn't have to try to block every shot. And that's lowering his block total, sure, but it's lowering his foul rate. And if you lower his foul rate, you keep him on the floor longer. You know? It, it's helping him so much become a more efficient defensive player. You know, when he plays the drop coverage, that's even improving. He, he's kind of getting used to that. 
You know, when they stuck him in there last year, I think Miller kind of put him into that scheme a lot. And he had some inconsistencies. This year, he, he's I'm noticing that he's he's playing it correctly. He's putting his his hand on, on the um on the chest of the role man and he's keeping his eyes on the ball handler. He's kind of finding a way to look to, you know, kind of guard two people at once in the drop. And that's really helping him, you know. Really is. He's staying planted out there. He's just being very smart and Andy's playing tough defense. So gotta credit him, man. His defensive feel, the feel for the game he has out there defensively is so so natural to him. It's so good. He's just a really, really good defensive player. I can't praise him enough there. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, just, he's navigating pick and rolls so well in that drop. He, he's, he's contesting shots, blocking shots, everything there. And if you watch these games, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Tonight, man, he had to guard. I mean, he had, he had pick and roll nightmares tonight, right? You would have thought you've got Donovan Mitchell, great ball handler, Mike Conley, great ball handler, Clarkson, Angles, guys who know how to operate in pick and roll as well as ball handlers. And you got obviously a screener, a big like Gobert. And he did really good operating the pick and roll defensively. He really knew how to navigate it. He navigated it so well tonight, man. So I have to give props to Mitch. Um, Give the guy the, the extension in the summer. Got to give him the extension if he keeps this up. If he keeps this up. I would like the points to start going, you know, north of 10 at the very most, uh, at least. But, you know, Hopefully that comes. Hopefully he learns a move or two. And right now, if he, as long as he keeps playing defense, man, and the Knicks keep winning, I will take it. Bullock was good tonight. You know, those two triples at the top of the fourth kind of padded the Nick lead. They were huge. He played good D. Uh, finished with 12 points on 5 for 8. 2 for 3 from deep. Kevin Knox didn't play much. 16 minutes, but he made all three shots and hit his only three-pointer. 7 points. Alfred Payton was good. 22 points in 42 minutes. Um, on the other end, he guarded Mitchell to only 18 points on 8 of 23. Julius Randle, again, man, um, again, he had the poor first half, you know, kind of forcing some jumpers, not really hitting. Um, but, you know, a big second half, in particular that third period where he had 14 of his 30, you know, some strong finishes. And he finishes with 30, 16, and 7 on an off night. It's just becoming ho-hum. He's been so good, man. I mean, I never thought I'd say that, but Julius Randle is really playing out of his mind. So another great night for him. RJ Barrett, pretty cold tonight. You know, he's always hot and cold. He's He's been hot and cold since he entered the league, and this year it's been extreme. Really, if he's not hot, he's really cold. So the shooting has to improve. Defense too, but it's the shooting that really concerns me right now. I love everything else. I love the playmaking. I love his game inside the arc. Great in the post, great as a slasher, bulldozing, cutting, playing in transition. He's great there. Rebounding. Everything looks good. Everything. But the shooting has to improve. The free throw shooting has improved. But the three-point shot, not good at all. The mid-range inconsistent. Uh, but it's at three. Tonight he had nine points, five rebounds, four out of 14, missing three triples. Didn't hit one. Um, also, maybe, you know, I don't know if you, if you want to take this with a grain of salt, but keep an eye on it. 6 out of 10 from the free throw stripe in the last two games. Uh, four for uh, 5 for 7 against the Hawks and 1 for 3 tonight. But, you know, not too concerned there. It's just the shooting, you know. 
maybe it's the minutes. I don't know. Is it the minutes? He's playing 40 minutes a night almost. <laughs> um, he did get only 33 tonight, so it's a nice, you know, off night for him. Um, but, yeah. I, I'm not even asking him to be, you know, an efficient three-shooter. I'm, at this point, I'm not even asking him to be average. I'm just asking him to exist, you know. Not shoot, you know, whatever it is, 20-something percent, 22, 23%. Can you at least shoot over 30%? You know, to at least be a bad three-point shooter and not someone that, that doesn't get respected out there. Outside of the Pacers, I don't think he has one three-pointer this year. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe one or two, but it's been bad. So I, I want to see him improve the shooting. Everything else, though, in terms of R.J. Barrett's game, I love. You know, he's even he's better than he was last year, but it's the shooting. You know, I think the, the finishing will come. You know, he's obviously still been a bit erratic. He's been erratic in a lot of places, but mostly it's the shooting. I think everybody, everything else will fall into place eventually. I'm not worried about everything else. I just need the shooting to improve. He needs to show some kind of improvement there. All right. Um, maybe it's the minutes, but, you know, I'm not one to, to moan about the minutes. You know, Tom Thibodeau, this is who he is. You know, would you rather... Because, listen, man, are, are we... I thought we all wanted to play the kids, right? I thought we wanted to run them out there. I thought this was the plan. You know, would you rather win by giving these guys minutes or lose and not give them minutes? You can't have it both ways. You have to find, you know, you can't just pick. Some of you are just never uh, satisfied. I have no problem with a 20-year-old kid getting 40 minutes. I don't. Um, I get it. If it's, you know, if it's a blowout or something, you know. Don't play him 40 minutes, you know, but we haven't had, we've been in these tight games. We've needed these guys, you know, if, if RJ Barrett doesn't play the other night against the Hawks, I don't, you know, if he doesn't play 40 plus minutes, we don't win that game. If Randall doesn't play 44 minutes, we don't win that game. You know, we needed them in every bit of the time they were on that floor. <laughs> so I'm not complaining about minutes, you know, and, and also guys are hurt right now too. You know, we're missing a bunch of rotational pieces. Right, obviously we're without Noel. Um, Alec Burks, unfortunately, today it was announced that, you know, it's seven to ten more days until he has to be reevaluated. So the Obi Toppin thing that seems to be lingering. Um, we're still without him. Frank DSJ, I don't even know what's going on there. But so, so right now we're running on seven, eight men. <laughs> we're not going much beyond. It's a, it's a tight rotation. It's a short rotation right now. So. We don't have any options. We kind of have to do what we're doing. You know, it's kind of forced. I'm not going to get mad at that. So that's that. Um, but the Knicks 5-3 and three, pick up another impressive win tonight. And I, you know what I like? Again, I'm not trying to think ahead. But I like the fact that we can finally have this discussion, this debate. On whether or not we want to buy or sell at the deadline. I, I just find that awesome, right? It's good that we don't have to just automatically say, oh, they have to sell, they have to sell, they need to sell. No, we can finally be in a position to where it can be a controversial debate, and I love that. That means we're playing good basketball. Again, five games in, we are eight games in, we have to continue this, but it looks promising here on the surface. Um, so if Randall's high-level play continues, you know, it's been great. Then you have that conversation. Right now, I'm just enjoying it. I'm I'm enjoying the ride. You know, um, you know. If you're asking me, is it sustainable? You know, I don't know. I don't know if what he's doing right now is sustainable. 
there are a lot of turnovers right now. You know, I kind of look at that as an indicator. Um, he's not technically playing any differently, too. You know, I was saying a lot last year and in the in the summer how in order to improve Randall's efficiency, he's going to have to play off the ball more as a roller, a cutter, a guy in post-up, you know, someone who doesn't dominate possessions. But he's kind of playing the same way he did last year. It's just working under Tom Thibodeau. You know, he's making quicker decisions, you know, but he's playing the same point forward type of play. You know, and it doesn't exactly look smooth, right? It doesn't look like fluid or natural. He's kind of, a lot of it looks rough. You know, he doesn't look like Jokic out there. He looks like a power forward trying to make passes. And they're, they're working again, but there are some indicators there that make you at least question if this is sustainable for Julius Randle. The talent is there, so I get it. But will he continue being a winning impact player? I hope so. I really do. Um, again, play, uh, Peyton is playing well right now. You have to credit him now. You know, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna criticize him all the time, I will give the guy credit. He's playing well. Okay. Eventually, I still think he's gonna regress. I'm not hating. I, I just, I, I know basketball. I've seen this guy play. He's been in the league what seven years now. He's never been better than an eight, nine, ten, maybe eleven point guy who shoots, you know, forty to forty three percent and below thirty percent from the arc. Okay. Um. I've seen him play for the Knicks for an entire year. He's not a great passer. He's a great passer numbers-wise, but it doesn't go to everybody. A lot of that's, you know, to one guy. So I think eventually he's going to regress. He's not going to continue to put up 15-plus a night and, and, you know, go seven rebounds, seven assists. No. And shoot 50% from the arc. I don't think that's going to be uh, sustainable for Peyton. So when the time goes, he's got to go. You know, right now we can play this little game where he starts and as soon as he struggles, we, we plug in quickly. Sure, we can do that right now. But eventually, if, if Peyton starts to struggle again like he was earlier this season, I think we have to finally pull the plug. But right now, I have no issue. Okay, I'll say it. I have no issue with with going with what's hot, with what's working. So you play him, you start him. First, first sign of trouble, which you know has seeming it seems to be that's usually late in the third. That's been the pattern. You yank him, but tonight he actually played well. So Tibbs uh, finished the game off with him. Uh, but eventually, I, I just want him out of there. You know, if he if he regresses, which again I expect at some point, gotta get him out of there because if he goes back to his norm, you have a guy who can't shoot, um, and when he's not having the ball in his hands, he's useless. You know, and when he does have the ball, he holds it so long. He picks up his dribble so early sometimes. He, he doesn't really make quick decisions. He dribbles the clock out, and, and it's it's like a last last couple of second dish to RJ, heaving up a three from the from the wing. You know, I read an article today on um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with posting and toasting. Really good blog. Um, Really, really good blog. I always, I always be sure to uh, check those guys out. Um, they, they wrote an article on Emmanuel. I'm sorry, on <laughs> Emmanuel, uh, Alfred Payton. And uh, reading some of the stats they had down there, he's up there with guys like Damian Lillard, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, Jason Tatum in usage, not production, but usage. Okay, possessing uh, possessions, touches, dribbles. 
dribble time, something like dribbles per touch, I think it was. You know, usage statistics. He's up there with with the big guns, with max contract players. And this is in less than 30 minutes per game, right? So he's up there in usage with, with big names. Not production, usage. And his production this year has been, you know, average. That's not good. You know, that's not going to be, again, another thing that if that continues and once this play starts to fall and the production drops off, you don't want that to happen. I, I hope he's not going to continue taking 15-plus shots a night and, and, you know, taking the ball up court and um, holding the ball for so long, getting all these touches once he regresses. I hope that's, you know, so I, I'm just I'm just worried. I'm worried a bit, you know. I, I just... I don't want this to be a long-term thing. I don't want him paired with R.J. Barrett all season long. I don't, you know. R.J.'s your number one guy amongst your young core, right? He's the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands. He needs to play with shooters, you know, and surrounding him with Peyton, Bullock, Randall, Robinson, and, and those four guys, none of them are shooters, right? Peyton ain't a shooter. Uh, Bullock's supposed to be a shooter, but he's not consistent. He's shooting in the mid-30% as a Nick. Um, and obviously, Randall and Mitch are, are front-court players. You can't surround RJ with the packed paint and expect him to improve his efficiency. No. So eventually, you're going to have to you know, put him with better players. You know. Uh, quickly, we mentioned that. Pair him with Quickly as the point. Maybe put Burks or Rivers at the two. Um, Knox or Toppin at the four, and then Mitch at the five. You know, just certain lineups to play him with. I love that. But eventually, we, we can't keep going Peyton RJ every game. So when he regresses, Peyton, you gotta gotta pull a plug. Um, speaking of Peyton, like, this whole thing, every game, Clyde, again tonight, uh, telling us how Peyton plays good defense. I really don't think it's that great. I watch him out there. His point of attack defense specifically is really pretty atrocious. You saw against Trey Young, he, he was chasing him. He was chasing him around, chasing him around all game. He was behind him every possession he was on his hip. He doesn't look that, he's not that good of a defender. He'll have his moments, but it's not. Clyde Frazier, all eight games, all eight games, he's being sure to tell us. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but no, I love the way we're playing defense, though, as a team. Tom Thibodeau has this Knicks team playing hard. You know, they are playing hard. They're not going to play at all. They know what they have to do to maintain a spot in this rotation. Um, now, I look at the offense. It's not a great offense. You know, the defense is clearly ahead of the O. But I'm liking what he's doing, though, in terms of how he's approaching defenses. You know, I'm starting to notice he, he's playing a crisper, more simpler game. Not too sophisticated, you know, but just executing fundamentals out there. You know, the the Knicks are running. Uh, I'm noticing them run the pistol set. You know, which, which to summarize pretty quickly, it's it just it's a, it's a set that opens up pick and roll scenarios in a bunch of ways. Um, but I'm seeing them running the the whole mover blocker scheme a lot this year. And that's pretty much uh, not originated, but rather populated from the the Virginia Cavaliers. You know, Tony Bennett, when he came in in 2009 for the Virginia Cavs, he kind of implemented that whole thing, the, the mover blocker set. 
Uh, and, 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 and the NBA, I think Terry Stotts does it a lot with the Blazers. Um, which basically what this is, it's, it's like a, it's a true motion offense where you get, you know, every player has a defined role in this set. Okay. And the Knicks are doing it where, where they have the movers, which are your ball handlers, your wings, you know, they're in constant motion running all over the court and you have, you know, your blockers who are your bigs, right? Your screeners, they're located on each wing and they're setting screens to free, uh, to free up space for these movers, for the shooters, or for themselves. So, so you put the bigs on the wing, and what this does is, is obviously it pulls the opposing bigs out of the paint, right? It unpacks the paint, and usually this, you know, you have two kinds of screens. One guy is going to set a pin down, and the other guy is going to set a flare screen. So, you know, the pin down guy is is the shooter runs towards the top of the key, and with a flare screen, you're running down towards the baseline, you know, the other direction off the screen. So. The Knicks kind of do it a bit differently, but they're using big, uh, a big in fucking Julius Randle as their mover. And, you know, he's obviously playing this whole point forward thing, so they're embracing that. And Randle's playing the ball handler role about this year, so you, they're using him as a mover, and, you know, they're getting their screens at the top of the key. And, and here's Randle, you know, obviously using the pin down, turning it into a DHO, a dribble handoff, or, you know, into a stagger screen where he himself sets the screen, becomes a second screener, and goes with a double pin down. So I'm noticing they're doing a lot of mover blocker out there. And I studied that system this this summer when I was kind of, uh, if you guys remember, doing the scouting reports on all these upcoming prospects who were now in the NBA. I did a lot of that. I was studying the Virginia Cavalier offense, and I'm starting to notice that the Knicks are kind of picking it up from them. And, you know, again, Terry Stotts does it. I think Golden State did it when they were kind of on their little dynasty run. So it's, it's a... More intricate, but still pretty simple system that I like that Tom Thibodeau has his Knicks doing. You know, guys aren't really doing, they're not asked to do a billion things out there. You know, and that's difficult when you have a bunch of young prospects struggling like the Knicks did and do. Um, you know, with Fisdale, he was trying to do too much out there. You know, sometimes he didn't do anything, but when he did, it, it kind of just looked disorganized and like he was trying to complicate things, and you know, especially defensively, you know. But I like the system that Tom Thibodeau is running offensively for the Knicks. Uh, so that was that. Uh, back to game eight. You know, Emmanuel quickly again tonight. Didn't really do much. Um, but I just hope he gets minutes next game. I want to see him back out there. Only got six minutes tonight. The guy just plays so smart, man. He plays like a vet. He's so savvy. Uh, he's aware of everything. He knows where to go on rotations. Defensively, he's had some issues, but he's been pretty good. You know, he'll... he'll kind of have to chase around guys you know everything kind of happens a little bit fast for him right now you're noticing but he has a good idea how to play defense and it looks like he has potential to be a plus defender with his athleticism um you know that guy's just so fun to watch what, what the cbs gave him a d plus or gave the knicks a d plus for drafting him. the experts calling him a second round pick early but he looks good man he brings this energy right he has this bounce to him, this spark. Could you imagine if Madison Square Garden was packed right now? We, if we were allowed to have fans? Oh, man. Quickly would be the perfect guy to pack the garden for. Uh, he's just, he's just, he's good. He's a good player, right? He's good. He's good. You know, he shoots the ball well. He's a good ball handler. And he hustles. Young guy with upside. That's what we want at that position. 
And again, the plus minuses or just watching, they're so much better with him on the court. Okay. So I am all for embracing quick sanity. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, you know, hopefully the Knicks continue this little streak they're on right now, guys. I love it. I love every minute of it. Couldn't really put highlight clips if you're watching the podcast. I couldn't put highlight clips in, in this episode. And I might not be able to go further because they blocked it. Um, episode 200 was actually blocked from YouTube. So I can only put the audio up on the other platforms. But um, so I got to figure that whole thing out. But for now, we're just going to keep, you know, we don't need the, the uh, clips anyway. You can find that on your own. But five and three looking good. Hopefully we get some guys back soon. Uh, Nerland's Noel. I don't know the deal there. There was that rumor that he wasn't happy here, but I think he on uh, on social media he responded to some kind of post that said he wasn't happy and kind of denied that. Um, so that you know that happened. I don't know when he'll be back. Hopefully, Obi, hopefully, man, Obi Toppin comes back soon. The seven to ten day thing is up. I still out. I want to see him play. We haven't seen him much at all. Um, it's funny because, you know, I was asking him to be the starter and I was like, there's no way you cannot start him. He's 22. He's NBA ready, but sometimes things happen differently and he doesn't, you know, he's hurt right now. He didn't look great in the opener. He didn't look great in preseason. So maybe he just, you know, with the way Randall's playing too, maybe when he comes back, obviously you have to ease his way back. Uh, but maybe this year it looks like he's going to have to take on the bench role for the meantime. Um, and I don't mind it, right? As long as they use him correctly, use him as a roller. Right. Uh, well, that's tough right now. The Knicks aren't really using him as a roller right now. He's playing with Mitch. When he was playing with Mitch, when he was healthy, they weren't really doing that. You know, he was hovering on the perimeter often. But they're going to have to find a way to balance that. Play him to his strengths. Use him in the short roll. You know, he's a good passer. Really good in the short roll as a screener, roller, as a passer. Um, you know, so. Playing him at the high post, top of the key, top of the elbow. Really good passer. I would like to see him get back and kind of... I, I think he could be a guy that fits Tom Thibodeau's system. You know, we mentioned a lot on the show how Thibodeau loves to use his bigs as passers. And we're seeing that with Randall and, you know, Obi being a good passer from the get-go at Dayton. You know, I'm hoping to, to see that translate into the NBA. So hopefully he gets back soon. Burks, man. We need Alec Burks. It sucks that he's going to have to go through a whole thing where he's going to be reevaluated in 7 to 10 days. His shooting is huge. He was on fire before he went down. Mentioned that he looked like a Marcus Morris for 2021 Knicks. He's hurt, you know. And if the Knicks keep contending, man, I don't know. I think you, you keep rolling with it. You know, this team has been starving for for uh, a playoff spot, you know, or just to be decent. Um. So you see what happens. Uh, you hope that you can find a balance of developing your young core at the same time while, while, while giving minutes to some veterans who are producing, right? But I hope I hope that can they, they can find a way to make that work. So we'll see. Right now, they're, they're doing it. So right now, everybody's kind of getting their own, right? You're getting the kids who look good. Right? RJ's getting minutes um, up and down, but he looks like he's, you know, playable. Um Kevin Knox looks better than he did last year. You got Mitchell Robinson, who looks tremendous defensively. So you're getting the kids chipping in. And at the same time, you have guys like 
Randall and Peyton, who are helping this team win games right now, too. Austin Rivers. Hopefully Reggie Bullock can, can start connecting. I'm all for everybody playing well, man. I'm not against anybody, you know. I may call Alfred Payton a walking brick from time to time, but it's not because I dislike him. I like the guy. I think he's a, a nice guy, but I just don't think he's fit for this team. I think eventually he's going to go back to what he is, and that's, you know, a not very good point guard in terms of NBA. You know, obviously he's good. He's in the NBA, but relative statement there. So, guys, that's it. The Knicks are five and three. Things are looking up. They do not have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in their five and three. All right, the New Jersey Nets have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They're not five and three. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll stop. Let's get to the question of the day, and then we'll wrap this thing up. All right. Let's get it. All right, so uh, last time out, I asked you guys in episode 200, whose number 15 was retired back in 1986 for the Knicks? All right, so which Nick had the number 15 retired back in 86? The answer to that question, Earl Monroe. All right, it was Earl Monroe who had his number retired back in 86. That was the NYYNYK question of the day for one, uh, for episode 200. Um, this episode's NYYMYK question of the day is, in the 1996-97 postseason, who did the Knicks sweep in round one? All right, so one more time. In the 1996-97 postseason, who did the Knicks sweep in the first round? So let me know the answer, whether that be on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can comment the answer once I publish the podcast here. Or you can uh, DM me the answer. Either way. And I'll give you a shout-out. Guys, thank you so much. A shout-out in front of all two followers. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Once again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 201 of the podcast of BD4. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can find all those feeds on my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. There should be a page called Connect. Or, I'm sorry, called uh, Outlets. Click on Outlets. And uh, you'll it'll take you right there to a page that displays all the information. Where to find the podcast, the blog, and my social media. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I'll see you in episode 202, where hopefully we keep this up. Hopefully the Knicks stay hot. So tonight, just discuss the Knicks staying hot versus the Hawks and the Jazz. Hopefully in episode 202, we talk about them staying hot versus the Thunder, who are coming up on Friday. And I don't know who's after that, so I'll see you in two games, guys, regardless. Um, but if you follow the blog, you know, if you're subscribed there and you read the blog, the recaps, um, then I'll see you there tomorrow morning when I write the blog. So, guys, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Once again, one last time, 
I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 201, 201 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, guys, I'll see you next time. Ciao. Go next. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.